So if we're not walking in love, are we really his disciples? Can we really call ourselves Christians? Yeah, it goes back to 1 John 4, 7 and 8, where it says that, you know, um, he who loves is a child of God and knows God, but he who does not love doesn't even know God. Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Hey, Know Why listeners, here's part two of our interview with pastors Leif and Hope Angel. You mentioned that it is an election year, mm-hmm. so enemies. Um you know, a lot of people I think would really resonate with what you said about loving the vulnerable and like, you know, taking a stand when, uh, for people, um, you know, for the innocent and, and things like that. But Jesus also said, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. So, and in a very political season like this, and it can feel like we have a lot of enemies. Yes. So, um, what does that look like to love enemies? And does that mean that we shouldn't criticize things that we believe are worse? criticism mm-hmm. uh does it mean that we have to put up with like toxic people that is so good that's that that is a fantastic question that gets right down to the heart of how do we walk out our faith it's all easy when everybody's being sweet and smiley it's a whole nother thing when people are being a little bit divisive a little bit ugly maybe a little bit toxic towards you how do we walk this out in mercy and grace well i think number one we have to learn to depersonalize everything while we personalize everything we have to depersonalize everything in a sense that, typically speaking, the old saying about hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. is what's happening right now really even about me or are they acting out towards me because of something that happened to them in their past? Well, I can have grace and mercy if I understand that, okay, they've been wounded and that's why they're acting out this way. Nobody gets mad at an animal who's been hurt for snapping and trying to defend itself when it's feeling attacked and vulnerable. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to go rescue a dog from a difficult situation— um, your interests are to help the dog, but you better have some pretty good padded gloves on because there might be some some snips and bites coming your way. Um, I think the first thing we can do is, is depersonalize everything. Okay, this probably really isn't even about me. And then we have to personalize everything. Okay, but well, what can I learn from this? So loving others well means giving grace wherever we can. Can I go ahead and like maybe step on some toes? Yeah, um, sure. I think there's... In this season, because the culture around us is leading some followers of Jesus in a whole new direction that I don't think is healthy, Uh, there's lots of podcasts on loving yourself as a Christian, allowing God to help you love yourself. Okay, be careful of that because while I do need to have grace and mercy with myself, just like I do with everybody else, we can also... um, begin to follow this whole deal about self-love. But we were warned specifically by Jesus himself that in the last days, there'd be people who were, what? Lovers of themselves. When we make it about us, we're in danger. So when we allow toxic moments, when we allow political situations, when we allow people who are just being ugly towards us, when we make those things all about us, we're in a vulnerable position. If we can instead say, okay, wait a minute, mercy and grace covers the situation and covers them can I have mercy and grace in this moment? 
Now, I still need to protect myself. I can't just allow myself to be stepped on because I've got a wife and kids and things to accomplish on the earth. So I can't just, you know, become the doormat that everybody gets to walk on. But how do I graciously stand up for myself, my family, my friends in the midst of toxic, difficult situations? Well, I depersonalize everything. This probably isn't about me. I personalize everything, but what can I learn from this? I show lots of grace, and when I need to establish boundaries, I establish boundaries. And if it's in the context of a family, if I need to go get counseling, I'll go get counseling. But it's not about I'm more right than they are or anything else. It's about, okay, in this moment, can I be gracious even though I'm receiving ugly? Can I take that? Can I, with grace and mercy, love the person who's hurting me? If it weren't personal, I mean— it's, it's the old adage, right? If somebody says something ugly to me, I can probably forgive it and walk past it. If somebody says something bad about hope, I'm probably not going to be quite so quick to just walk past it mm. and forgive it. But can I, in those moments, depersonalize and say, okay, I'm looking at a person who is acting out probably because they have some own their own pain issues in the past. And, and when somebody is acting out like that so often, it's because there's unforgiveness areas in their own lives. And how I've been there. I know what that's like. And because I know what that's like, I can have some grace and mercy in that direction. And then I have to, okay, in grace and mercy, I love you. Listen, we're, we're going to get past this. If it's a relationship I'm staying in, if I'm not staying in it, then you know what? I'm going to establish some boundaries and God bless you. And I love you from a distance. But I think the number one thing that happens um, as we walk out our faith, as we, as we do our best to, to be vessels of this, this grace, this goodness of God, the number one thing that happens is we get hurt. We begin to harden our hearts in certain areas and we're no longer gracious in those circumstances. Well, then something else happens and you get hardened in that area. And then we're no longer vessels of grace in that area. And we become less and less and less able to carry the goodness of God. So therefore I have to forgive, be graceful, forgive where I need to forgive. I need to give grace when I recognize there may be some unforgiveness in their life that's causing them to act in a certain way. And I need to be very careful to um, not allow somebody else's toxicity to become my toxicity. Yeah. Well, that means I have to be really good at forgiving. Yeah, I think a good way to filter it is to remind yourself when you're having an issue with someone or you consider them your enemy, God still loves them. Mm -hmm. He still created them. And because we are followers of Jesus, we are supposed to walk in love to them also. Yeah. At the same time, it doesn't mean that if it's a toxic relationship that we have to stay in that situation. For sure. If every time you are around someone, you come away angry and hurt and upset, then it's time to pull some distance away. You mm -hmm. can love and be gracious, but not spend all your time with that person. You can put distance and boundaries in there. Yeah, That's so good. I think it's, it's, it's vital to remember the person that might be upsetting you or hurting you is still a child of God, loved by God. God has a heart for them. And I have this moment of an, uh, of an encounter with them. And, and how do I, with grace and mercy, provide a way out for them? Yeah, I think it goes back to what you said earlier too. Like, don't, uh, you know, just look at somebody through the lens of one label. Right. You know, and it can, yeah. in including maybe how they're treating you. It doesn't yeah. mean that you can't be wise in setting boundaries and everything, but 
you know, there, there's more to them than just the hurt that maybe they're exactly, portraying. exactly. There's yeah. so much more to them than oh, they're just always mean and nasty. No, there's probably something else going on there. That's a result of something that's happened to them in their story. Yeah. So. Good reminders. So, um, back to kind of talking about our, our friends. So that was about our enemies, but, uh, there's a quote from Jesus. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Um, so I think people familiar with the Bible know how Jesus ultimately demonstrated this. Right. But uh, can you talk about that a little bit and then how we can, what does that mean for us today to demonstrate that? I think it's, it's the very first thing we can do is count the cost. It is, there's a quote by A.W. Dozier that I used uh, this past weekend that I absolutely love that we have as much of Jesus. We have as much of God as we truly want. And the greatest threat to a walk of faith is the comfortable, casual version of consumer Christianity that's pervasive. And that means that, okay, I've got my salvation. uh, I've got my assurance of uh, my eternal destination. I've got my families. And so I'm good. Now, counting the cost means I'm going to stop it just being good. And I hope, you know, good things for my neighbor. I might pray a casual prayer of, like, I hope somebody reaches my neighbor. No, no, no. If I'm really praying that, God's going to send me. Mm. And it's going to be at times inconvenient. But walking at your faith is almost never convenient. It's always intentional, but it's almost never convenient. How are we willing to get out of our comfort zones? How are we willing to, you know what? I would rather stay at home and just watch a movie with my wife um, than go, you know, I, I love, I always love when I'm in downtown Dallas with Bring the Light. I always love when I'm in those moments and being in those moments. But, you know, what leads up to that moment is at some point I have to get out of bed, get in the shower, get dressed, <laughs> leave my comfortable house, and allow myself to go into those. So are we, gonna, are we willing to count the cost of what it's going to take to really reach people mm-hmm. and, and get outside of our own comfortable existence? So how do we lay down our life? It's that daily decision. Yes, there are bigger moments where we really do have to choose the good of somebody else over our good. But I would say in casual every day, how do we walk at our faith? It begins with this. Are you willing to get out of your comfortable space to go where God could use you to make a difference in somebody else's story? Yeah, I think a big part of it is just praying that God would give you the eyes to really see other people yes. and to love them the way they need to be loved. And it can start in your own home, putting your own selfish desires aside to serve the people in your family. Mm-hmm. But then like life was saying, count the cost, make a decision to get up. Like when we go with Bring the Light, sometimes it's really hot, 100 degrees outside and humid. Or really cold or, yeah. Or it might be freezing and snowflakes falling and we're out there feeding the homeless and it's not comfortable for us. And it's even more uncomfortable when we get back in our warm cars and we leave them out in the cold. Um, But counting the cost and even for our young people who might be listening to this, because we've talked a lot about that generation today, they sometimes have to count the cost. And I know this is an example from a child, but our son, when he was in kindergarten, his kindergarten class had a very autistic boy in the class and none of the other kids would play with him or work with him or wanted to be partnered with him. And Caleb stepped right up. And he's like, I'll be his friend. I'll work with him. And he started sitting by him at lunch and playing with him at recess. And there was a cost to it because some of the other kids who were off playing soccer and doing the things that he loved to do, 
kind of shut him out because they didn't want to be around the other boy. But Caleb saw that the other boy needed him. And he stepped out and was that boy's best friend for years. They were putting classes together specifically so that this little boy would have a friend. And so they were really close until the boy moved away about fourth, fifth grade, somewhere in there. And Caleb took care of him. And sometimes we have to be willing to do that. God, show me who I need to love today. Mm -hmm. Show me how to love them today. And sometimes, most times, it would not be what we would choose on our own. So, but there's great reward from doing that. And I think that really comes back to, are we willing to count the cost in the sense that, you know, God, before I go into my day, help me to see the one who's overlooked. Help me to see the one who everybody else is missing. God, give me your eyes to see that person the way you see them. And if we'll do that, then our heart will be drawn to them and we'll step out in faith. But, you know, it's going to cost you something because the truth of the matter is it's much easier to wake up, go through your day, go back home to your comfortable space and never get out of your comfort zone. But you know what? You can't reach the lost, the hurting, the broken from your couch. It's never going to happen as you're surfing Netflix for the next thing to watch. It's always going to be when you get out of your comfort zone, when you're willing to go find the person who's being overlooked, um, when you're willing to go um, to the places where, listen, others might not want to go, but you go, well, this is part of laying down your life. Um, now, there, again, there's the bigger moments, but as far as day-to-day walking at your faith, uh, it, it really begins with denying yourself what would be much easier for you and instead stepping out in boldness and faith and saying, okay, God, I believe you put me in this situation to be a vessel you could use yeah, to reach somebody who's hurting. Yeah, so good. And uh, Hope, I love the anecdote about Caleb. I think that's so um, convicting, you know, for those of us listening if a five-year-old boy can, you know, make that kind of sacrifice for a friend at school, then, you know, there are situations like that for, I think, all of us that we come across of like, oh man, you know, who who needs love today? Someone that I probably like, maybe I don't want to hang out with, or I don't really want to inconvenience myself, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, but if a kid can do that, then, I mean, that's just so pure. Yeah. And, um, but are we willing to do that? Uh, so good. So um, in a few minutes that we have left, I wanted to ask one more question. Um, so we mentioned earlier that about half of teens say that Jesus is loving, but only 31% say that Christians are loving. So what if somebody is on the fence about following Jesus, but they are discouraged by behavior they have seen from other Christians? What would you say to them? I'm going to step on some toes again. Go for it. I've heard that. And while on one hand, we need to be consciously aware that we have to be willing to carry the burden of being the one who goes out of their way over and above being gracious and loving because maybe somebody else who was wearing the name badge wasn't. Now that's true. However, more often than not, when that particular response is given, what it really means is, um, man, I'm, I'm really not trying to come across as, as being difficult. Um, but a lot of times, I mean, even Gandhi said, I mean, I, I, uh, I love your, your Jesus, but I don't see Jesus in most of your Christians and mm-hmm. I, w- I would not follow. Okay, wait a minute. But if we agree that Jesus is loving and kind and good, then how somebody else behaves has no relevance 
to my deciding to follow Jesus. Now, um, it, it so often is used as a cop-out lesson. I, I, I respect who Jesus is, but I don't want to become a Christian because, yeah, those Christians are mean. Not all of them. I mean, there's there's jerks in every corner of the world. Yeah. Um, there's jerks in every uh, every uniform you can find. There's there's uh, there are difficult people in every circumstance. But what we can do is, you know what? If let's just focus on the fact that if you love Jesus and if you would respect and admire who He is, even before you begin to put in context that He left all of heaven's splendor and glory and majesty. And chose to come into a world where he was going to have to learn how to walk. Like he created the world and yet he came in and had to learn how to walk and had to learn how to do all the things. And he scraped his knee and just all the stuff that we wouldn't, like he left all of that to come into our world for us out of his great love for us. You know, people who talk about Jesus with respect and honor, um, which is wonderful. Uh, man, you even you haven't got to the good part yet that he, he gave so much more than that for you. And this incredible person is not just a person, but he's our heaven. I mean, it, by, he's the very word of God. By him, all things were created. Nothing was created without him. So with that being true, it's all the more beautiful that he stepped into our creation. So if all of that is true about who Jesus is, if you really like what you're seeing from Jesus, you vibe or resonate or, you know, you you click whatever. I, I, I'm sorry, I probably should know what the, the cool terms are now. But anyway, <laughs> If you if you vibe with if you're cool with if if you're if if you like all that and you truly understand all that it is then somebody else's behavior you know um, it's like not going to the gym because you've seen people go to the gym and are still unhealthy or overweight or whatever else okay but that person's response to going to the gym and maybe not following through the way they should has no bearing on whether or not I should go to the gym yeah. you know if you need and we all do a savior he's there and and the response that we have based on how somebody else walks out their faith does not take me off the hook for walking out mine. Mm -hmm. So when people give that as an excuse for why they don't really want to become a Christian, because after all, like Jesus is great, but Christians are mean. Well, that, that's, that's wonderful. You might have a point. You probably do have a point. There've been some mean Christians in the past. However, that doesn't relieve you of your response to what are you going to do with who Jesus is? What are you going to respond to uh, how are you going to respond to his love, his grace, his mercy, the sacrifice he made for you? Uh, I really do. I, I kind of take issue when somebody says, well, you know, Christians can be mean, so therefore that's why I'm not in church. Wait a minute. You still have to deal with who Jesus is. Like, you still have to deal with who Jesus is, regardless of how somebody else is behaving. Yeah, and I think there are those who call themselves Christians, maybe mm -hmm. because their parents said they were Christians or they were baptized as a baby or whatever it is, they might say they're Christians. Mm -hmm. But going back to that first verse that you talked about today, John 13, 34 and 35, where Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Yeah. So if we're not walking in love, are we really his disciples? Can we really call ourselves Christians? Yeah, it goes back mm -hmm. to First John 4, 7, and 8, where it says that, you know, um, he who loves is a child of God and knows God, but he who does not love doesn't even know God. So a lot of people who are walking around and being hateful, mean, nasty, and the question that I've got is like, listen, do you know him at all? Because like the way you're behaving doesn't necessarily— now again, that's there are times when people are hurt and maybe not as being great, as gracious as they should, uh, and there are interactions that might not come across in a loving way. But I would say, as a whole, um, 
we're called to walk this out. And hopefully uh, people who see our faith in action would be drawn to that. And, and and while they might point to somebody else's behavior, okay, but hopefully that's not what you're receiving from me. Well, no, not what I'm receiving from me. Great, then then come with me to church. Mm-hmm. As simple as that. I mean, that's that's how we get around that obstacle of uh, hopefully that's not what you're receiving from me. Well, no, it's not right. Okay, but great. Then come with me to church. Yeah. I'm not asking about how somebody else treated you in the past. How about you come with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. And you know what? Y'all have both made wonderful points, and I just I wanted to highlight them. Uh, a couple of the things because they have kind of become themes with several different episodes. And I think that that just shows that they're really important. Pastor Hope, you mentioned how important it is for us to have community, especially Mm -hmm. in a world that may not always share our values, um, having that strong support system. And that's something that we have heard over and over again. And you know what? A great place to have that community is at a local church. Um, and so get connected and know the people aren't going to be perfect, but people aren't going to be perfect no matter what community you're a part of, but you need, um, you need to have good, solid people around you. And that's one of the biggest contributors to good mental health, good physical health. You know, we've talked about research in the past or just like the, the power of community. Um, so I'm so glad you mentioned that. And then Pastor Leif, you were mentioning as well, like even with your own kids, a really having them make their faith their own. Yeah. And that's something that we want to emphasize as well, because that's what the Know Why podcast is all about. Isn't it, you know, it's not just, oh, well, I think I believe this, or my parents told me that they believe this, or my parents didn't believe this, so I don't. Know why you believe what you believe. Yeah. And we want to be a resource uh, for you listening to help you to dig in and kind of be a, a jumping off point to say, okay, let me ask these tough questions and really dive into the answer and wrestle with it if you need to. But I love what you said, Pastor Leif, about, you know, study the word of God as well. Don't just do kind of a, you know, shallow glance over everything, but really dig in. Um, And that's what we want to encourage on the Know Why podcast. And I'm so grateful for both of you being here and really just digging in and getting into the nitty gritty about um, what did Jesus say? And what does the Bible say about love? And y'all, but brought it full circle so beautifully with just, um, you know, that really is how the world will know that we're Christians is by our love. That's what it's all about. Um, and we've learned a lot more about what that means today. But before we stop today, any final thoughts or resources that you guys would like to share? I would say that, that you know, I think you set up absolutely perfectly that, uh, you know, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints because none of us are called to accomplish this on our own. We're called to be a family of believers on the move. You know, uh, when Jesus said, come follow me, he didn't say, come sit with me. He said, come follow me. It wasn't like you come stay, you establish your position, and now you're good for the rest of your life. No, Jesus is on the move to reach the, he's on a rescue mission. Like you said, you know, in John chapter uh, three, verse 17, he came to rescue. So he's on a rescue mission. Jesus is on the move and we're called to follow him. So we're on the move, but we're supposed to do it together with others because nobody can do this alone. Nobody can. Um, The truth of the matter is, others won't be perfect, but neither will I. And just like they might need grace in a moment, I'll need grace in a different moment. So we do life together and together we lift each other up and together we we support each other. And together when one of us is having a bad day, then somebody else can can come lift them up. And you know, there's times when I'm having a bad day, maybe I've got a bad attitude and hope I have to say, baby, your attitude stinks. Like, you're right, babe. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm fixing it. But, you know, it's that that together collectively we're moving forward 
and support and love and helping to fix each other when we're a little bit off. Uh, without that, we end up drifting. So I would say what you said earlier about you know, having community is not just important, it's vital. We must have community because you can't do this on your own. We're not called to do this on our own. Yeah. So find, find you a tribe. Yeah. Get together with some people and, and chase Jesus together. Great stuff. Well, thank you again for being here. And don't forget, uh, you can read Pastor Leif's book, Enough, A God Who Meets You Where You Are, that will be coming out very soon. We'll post a link to it at knowwhypodcast.com. And also the studies mentioned here and anything else that we've talked about, you can find it on the website. Thanks for listening.